So the last few weeks, we have kind of talked about some of the weird habits that we have, right? Some of the peculiar things that we sometimes do as people. And so again, I just need you to raise your hand if what I say is true of you, okay? So when you're eating a meal, do you eat it in a certain order? Like, do you have a kind of a plan? Just raise your hand real quick. How many of you guys will eat what you like most first and save everything else? Anybody willing to admit that one? Okay. How many of you guys will go ahead and get everything else out of the way and then save the best for last? Okay, a few more of you guys. All right, how many of you guys, when you go shopping, you look for the, 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 that um, you know, container of milk with the expiration date that is one day later than all the rest, like, right? I've seen you all in the fridge, in the fridge at Costco, by the way, right? All right, how about when you guys go to the store, you're just gonna get one thing, right? So you don't take a cart and then you end up with 83 things, right? I think we've all done that. In fact, Brynn and I went to the store right before we came tonight and we did just that and I'm dropping stuff all over the place. And the funny thing about it is when this happens, You usually make eye contact with somebody who's looking at you and the look is saying this, you are an idiot, right? Just get a cart. I've had people give me a cart. Like I can't watch this anymore. And so we've kind of got our peculiar habit there. Now this is going to be a foreign thought to anybody who cooks a lot. I do not cook well. um, And so when I am kind of given that responsibility, what I often will do pretty much every time if I'm, you know, make some tacos for the kids or some rice or something real easy, I will, of course, look at the the directions. I will then throw out the box, and about 15 minutes later, I'm digging through the trash to get the box back out because I forgot how much water is supposed to go in or how long the meat's supposed to stay in the pot or whatever. And so we do some peculiar things as people, don't we? And in this series, we've been seeing in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the King James Version says it this way, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. And we've been talking about that phrase, peculiar people. What does it mean that we're peculiar people? Does it mean that we're weird? Does it mean that we're annoying? No, that's not what it means. We see in the NIV this beautiful other phrase. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And that's the heart of this series. We want to be peculiar people, not because we're weird or annoying, but because we're God's special possession. And because of that, We're going to live a different way, right? It's going to impact how we live our lives. So for the last time, as we wrap up this series today, I need you to say it with me again. I need you to be nice and loud and and clear, okay? So here's what I need you to say. Peculiar people means that you and I are God's special possession. And what makes us special is that God sent his son to pay for our sin and rescue us and make us his own. So we should live like that's happened. And so culture is saying, hey, live this way. Culture is saying that this is about, this is what you should be all about, or that's what you should be all about. But at the end of the day, we have to say, what does God say I should be all about? Letting him give us our identity and our values and things that are important and things that work and things that lead to life. And it's all because we're his. So it's this love response. I want to honor him because of who he's made me to be. We're not going to get it perfect. We're going to fall short sometimes, but we should be growing in our relationship with him, right? So we've looked at a couple of ways we can kind of struggle with this. One of the ways we struggle with it is that word compromise. And we saw that small compromise leads to big destruction. We saw that in week one, and we just wanted to begin to keep our eyes out for those small compromises in our lives. Then the second week, we talked about how what we do sometimes is we get offended at God. We get offended at something that he said or did or didn't do, and we'll twist what he said, or we'll ignore what he said, or we'll just pretend that it means something else. And just like Peter, we have to come up with a different response, right? 
When we get offended at God, we have to look at him and say, Jesus, you are the only one. Where else am I going to go? You hold the words of life. Where else am I going to go? Where else am I going to go? I, I could search the rest of my life. I will never find another Jesus. And so though I may be uncomfortable or it might be countercultural or I may feel a little bit intimidated by following Jesus right now, he holds the words of life. He's the only one offering life like he does. Today I want to talk with you guys about a concept I hope blows your mind. Last week, I hope you focused on your mouth. We talked about the power of our mouth and, and how you know, we can use it to bring life or we can use it to bring death. We can build others up or we can tear them down. We can curse people out or we can bless, right? And tonight, I want us to really focus on this concept that I hope will really help us in doing things God's way, whether it's our mouth like we talked about last week, or it's our purity, or it's the way we treat others, it's the way that we love those in our life, or whatever struggles we have, it's so important to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight, because here's what I think we so often do. We so often think that we and sin are teamed up. Like we're on sin's side, sin's on our side, and there's God over here, and God is kind of like looking at us, he's got his arms folded, and he's shaking his head in disapproval, and here we are, and we're teamed up with sin, and we've got our pride, or we've got our porn, or we've got our anger, and we're just hanging on to it, and we're looking at God going, I know, I wish I could do it the right way, but this is just, you know, me and sin are teamed up, and I'm just, it's so strong, it's got such a hold on me, I don't know what to do. And I think then, because we believe we're teamed up with sin, and we believe that's really what's giving us our identity and telling us who we are and telling us how to live, then it's all all this huge stress to try to do things God's way. And so there's this, this real confusion and struggle. But what if we have like the wrong equation set up here, you know? I wasn't very good at math in school. I did okay with the easy stuff, you know? The two plus two equals five stuff I was fine with. But when it got a little harder and equations came into the mix, I got really confused with that kind of stuff because they're giving me an X and a Y and a B and a four and a three, and I gotta put them in the all. You gotta get them in the right order first over here, right? Before you can even think about what it equals. And so here I am struggling to get the first half of the equation right so I can get the, the other side of the equal sign right. And as long as I got this part wrong, this part was off. Right? And I think that's true. As long as we think it's us and sin versus God, we have the equation wrong. I want to let you know something tonight. You and I, as followers of Jesus, we are not teamed up with sin. Like, sin and you are not buddies. You know, porn in you, anger in you, hate in me, uh, pride in me, uh, jealousy in me, gossip in me. Like, these things are not what we're partnered up with if we're in a relationship with Jesus. There's a whole different equation. And so we're going to look tonight and see what that equation really is. Well, what does this actually look like? Who are we teamed up with? Whose side are we on when it comes to this battle with sin? It's so important to talk about this because what we believe about this is huge. As long as you and I believe we're teamed up with sin, we will stay stuck in sin. But when we begin to realize there's a whole different equation, we can find some freedom. A lot of us are, are really living contained by a jail that doesn't exist around us anymore. So there's this bear in um, Romania. For 20 years, it was kept in a cage. And this bear was then freed seven years ago. And you can see there in the picture, there's that circle. Yeah, that circle is the size of the cage it used to live in. Now, the cage is gone, but because it's lived in that space for so long, it just spends days circling and circling and circling. You can see where it wore out that path there. And that's you and I. 
right? As long as we believe there's a cage around us, this thing called sin that owns us and we're teamed up with it, we're just going to keep on going in a circle and a cycle of sin and struggle when God's saying, I already took the cage away. I have freedom for you. And listen, we're going to struggle in this life at times. We're not going to do the right thing every time. But more and more, we should be walking in the freedom God has for us. Amen? All right, I got one. Cool. All right, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I told you, I need you loud tonight. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then maybe you're like, I feel like I've been enslaved my whole life. I feel like there's been that thing in my life that has so owned me. I don't know how to get rid of it. I'm ashamed of it. Nobody knows about it or everybody knows about it or I just don't want it in my life anymore, but how do I get free of it? Or maybe you'd say the opposite of that. You'd say, you know, I've done pretty well making some good choices and I think I'm, I'm good with God. I think I've kind of, you know, made choices that makes God happy and, and, and you're wondering, like, am I, am I okay with him? Am I accepted by him? Am I loved by him because of what I've done? And we're gonna see how this all plays out tonight. I'm hoping we'll get lots of answers tonight. So we're going to look in what I think is the best chapter in the whole Bible. Years and years ago, we did a a series called Best Chapter Ever, and we spent weeks just looking at Romans chapter 8. I love this chapter in the Bible. And Paul, who wrote it, is really qualified to talk about this struggle. He's really qualified to talk about how we wrestle with sin and how we sometimes feel so beaten down by it. In fact, he called himself the chiefest of sinners. He said he does what he doesn't want to do and he doesn't do what he does want to do and he's in this wrestling match with sin. But then he ends chapter 7 and he says, who's going to save me from all this? He says, thanks be to God, it's Jesus. Thanks be to God, it's Jesus. And then he says this, therefore, in verse 1, therefore, in other words, Even though I'm in this messy wrestling match with sin, thanks be to God, Jesus is going to save me. And therefore, or because of that, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we're not perfect here and now. But there's no condemnation for you and I. Everybody say, no condemnation. All right, I'm going to put this thing. Oh, I ruined it. Oh, I really ruined it. Well, that was going to say no condemnation, and I was going to wear it through the whole service like I did at the other services today. But I took it off in my haste, so I'm not going to wear it. But... That's the starting point. No condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That, that though you and I deserve punishment, that's not what we get. Though we deserve to be judged for our sin, that's not what we get because Jesus is that good to us. That's a huge relief to you and I who walked in here tonight maybe feeling guilty about some of the things we've done. But how is this possible? It goes on because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, I need you to pay attention here, okay? We just heard that there are these two laws at play. You got the law of sin and death, and you got the law of the spirit who gives life. Law of sin and death, law of spirit who gives life, right? Okay, years ago, Pastor Ravon was talking about this verse, 15 years ago. And he brought up this idea that there's, there's these two laws, right? We have the law of gravity, okay? And the law of gravity, of course, is that here on earth, right, all bodies have a weight. There's this downward force of gravity. And at the end of the day, you would think gravity should have the last word, right? Gravity should overcome all other laws. But there's this other law. It's called the law of aerodynamics or flight. And this other law has the ability to overcome gravity, right? Even though gravity is pulling everything back toward earth, the law of aerodynamics is overcoming that law. And guys, listen, the law of sin and death is very real and very powerful, and it's pulling all of us away from Jesus, but because we now have the spirit of God in our life and what Jesus has done, we can overcome that law of sin and death. 
How does this work? How does this work? Well, we have to realize something. We are not teamed up with sin. We are not teamed up with sin and death. Some of us have thought we, we were. We walked in tonight saying, I guess that's me and, you know, sin's me and I'm sin. Or you named a sin, you know? Anger's me and I'm anger. Pride is me and, and I'm pride, you know? Like it just feels like it's you. It's who you are. But here we're discovering something powerful. We're discovering that Jesus has made a whole new way for us. Verse 3, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. Let me just stop for a minute. The law or the rules, we're trying to keep them, we're trying to do the right thing, says they were weakened by the flesh. Well, what's the flesh? The flesh is that part of us that wants to sin. Everybody say this with me. The flesh is that part of me that wants to sin. All right, awesome. Now, Let's reread verse 3 and go on. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. In other words, we weren't able to save ourselves because of that part of us that wanted to sin. As many, as many right things as we could maybe do, we kept still going back and doing the wrong thing at times, didn't we? But instead of just writing us off, God sends his son to rescue us and make him walk the earth, have human flesh, have temptation, go through the things you and I go through to rescue us. And then it says this in the next part. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. And you're going, wait a minute, Doug. I thought the first verse said no condemnation. Remember your sign that you ruined? It said no condemnation, right? What does it mean he condemned sin in the flesh? Well, he didn't condemn sin in your flesh, he condemns sin in Jesus' flesh, in your place. Anybody ever gotten punished for something somebody else did? When I was growing up, my best friend's name was Steve Jensen. I'm Doug Jensen, he's Steve Jensen, we are not related, it's just weird, okay? And so there we were going through life in middle school and high school together, we did everything together, but I would go over his house and I was a troublemaker and I was a prankster and I was loud and I made a mess of things and I was clumsy and so we'd be at his house and we'd be up in his room hanging out, and I would knock something over, and you just hear something break, and you just hear his dad from downstairs, Stephen! Stephen go downstairs, and you get in trouble for what I did. And then I'd like go over, while he's downstairs, I'd go over, and I'd like prank his little brother, and then you'd hear, Stephen! His brother go crying downstairs, Stephen! He'd get in trouble for what I did. And we'd be sitting at the dinner table, and I'd say something stupid, and his dad would be like, Stephen, I want to see you upstairs right now, and Stephen go upstairs, and he'd get in trouble for what I did. Now, what's interesting is Stephen is high up in the FBI now, and his little brother I used to prank is a Suffolk County cop, so I'm hoping they've forgotten all of this. But at the end of the day, Stephen kept paying the price for the things that I did. And that's really what's being said here is Jesus was condemned for all that we did that was wrong. Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Like that's crazy, that verse right there. Because we all believe that Jesus is righteous, right? We believe that because he died and he lived a perfect life and he rose back from the dead and all these things, it makes sense that the law or the requirements of the law were met in him. In other words, he performed to the level that would make all those rules absolutely fulfilled. But that's not what the verse says. The, the verse says the righteous requirements of the law are met in us. Why? Because Jesus has transferred that righteousness to us, that rightness to us. See, here's what I know about you and me. We walked in tonight believing, most of us, that we're loved by God, we're saved by God, we're forgiven by God, but most of us didn't walk in tonight feeling like, I'm right with God, or I'm a righteous before God, or another word, right? I'm holy. 
lot of us don't like that word. I'm not talking about walking around, patting ourselves on the back, going, oh, I'm so holy, I'm so great. If you're doing that, you're actually not, right? But the truth is Jesus has made us and is making us more and more holy. Let's go on. Reread part of verse 4 and go into the rest. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh. Everybody say, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So we do not live according to the flesh or that part of us that is drawn towards sin. Now, now how do we do this, though, right? How do we pull this off? And what is this spirit at the end of the verse there? We don't live according to the flesh, but we live according to the spirit. What is that spirit? Well, it's God's Holy Spirit that's in us. Do you have a flesh that's drawn to sin? Yes. But do you have, if you're a follower of Jesus, the spirit of God in you? Yes. And who is more powerful? Thank you, Rosemary. Who is more powerful? God's spirit, right? God's spirit is more powerful than any sin or struggle that you and I have ever walked through. See, that's what we have to recognize tonight. That's who we're teamed up with, everybody. It's not you and sin versus God. There's a whole other equation, and the most powerful thing in all existence is who you're teamed up with. So I have a bunch of things I'm going to say here, and it's going to make me sound really good until you hear me say something on the other side of it, all right? So I'll start out, and you'll think, wow, Doug's really great. I'm going to invite him over to my house. He's going to fix everything, and then you'll hear what I have to say after, okay? Over the years, I've done many home projects. I've done sheetrock and spackling and painting and molding and uh, taking walls down and siding and roofing and tile and egress windows and all this stuff, and you're like, wow, man, Doug's amazing. I'm not amazing. I just have an awesome dad. I have an awesome dad who knows how to figure out all this stuff, okay? And every time... He comes over. I'm so thankful I am teamed up with him, right? It's not like me and the wall we have to take down versus my dad. It's me and my dad versus the wall we have to take down, right? I'm teamed up with this guy who can just figure it all out. And every time we start a project, I'll look at it and be like, I don't know, man. Maybe this is the one where we got to like call somebody else in. You're going to call Home Depot to come fix this thing once we mess it up. But it's never happened yet. He's been able to overcome every project that we've ever attempted. One of the craziest we ever did was putting egress windows in my basement in my old house. We had to dig down next to the foundation and he rented this cement saw and he cut through the wall. And as he's cutting through, we realized the saw wasn't long enough to get through the foundation. The saw blade was too short. So now he's like, I have to cut on the other side of the wall in the exact spot I cut on the inside of the wall. And so he did some kind of calculation and measured all kinds of stuff up, cut it, cut it, cut it each side. And that little cement slab just went, it fell right out brilliant. And I'm so thankful that I have a dad in my life who's able to overcome whatever's thrown at us when it comes to these home improvement projects. And I'm so thankful I'm teamed up with him and I have that equation right. You see, you are teamed up with the spirit of God who's able to overcome all those things thrown at you. There's not one thing thrown at you and I that God is not able by his grace and strength to overcome. Verse five, we're going to see how important what we believe is right here, what we set our minds on. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. I want, you, I want to tell you something right now. If you're a follower of Jesus, that verse is not about you. That verse is not about you. That verse does not describe you and I. If we're followers of Jesus, though we are imperfect and we struggle and sometimes fall, we do not have our minds set on what the flesh desires. 
Like, we don't walk around all day thinking, how can I get revenge? We don't walk around all day thinking, how can I get impure? We don't walk around all day saying, how long can I hold on to this unforgiveness, right? No, look at this next part of the verse. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. Everybody say this. I'm going to have my mindset on what the Spirit desires. So what God's Spirit is about, I'm going to be about. And I'm going to set my mind on that stuff. So I'm going to walk through my day and I'm going to think about truth. And I'm going to think about purity. And I'm going to think about love. And I'm going to think about forgiveness. And I'm going to think about hope. And I'm going to think about faith. And I'm going to think about joy. And I'm going to think about mercy and salvation, right? And as my mind is set on those things, watch what starts to flow out of my life. It's a whole different way of living. And now, because my mind knows I'm teamed up with God... And it's me and God versus sin and not me and sin versus God. That little jail cell, that imaginary jail cell that's been around me that I've been circling around in, I'm starting to realize it's not there. I still have the capacity to sin, but I am not enslaved by it. I am not jailed up by it like I used to be, right? Because that's what Jesus has done for us. It goes on. We're going to talk about our mind a little more. The mind governed by the flesh is death. Okay, so in case you're wondering, but I like my sin, I want to just keep doing it. Well, we all know where that leads, right? I mean, eternally it leads to death, but here and now, haven't we experienced enough death because of our sin, right? Like things die in our lives every single day because of sin. The trust of a loved one, sin tore that thing apart. A marriage, sin tore that thing apart. A great relationship, sin tore that thing apart. Innocence and purity, sin tore that stuff apart, right? Things die all the time because of sin. But I love this. Here's the opposite side. But the mind governed by the Spirit or controlled by the Spirit or set on the Spirit is what? Life and peace. Everybody say life and peace. I know this about you. I don't know maybe how much money you make, what your aspirations are, what college you went to or are going to, if you're in a dating relationship, a married relationship, single, divorced. I don't know. Uh, you know, what is in your bank account? I don't, I shouldn't, I don't know, uh, you know, what color your skin is. I don't know, right? But what I do know is you want life and peace. You want life and peace. It goes across all those categories. And we just learned that those things follow the person who has their mind teamed up, set on, governed by the spirit of God. Verse 7, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So if you're here today and you're thinking, you know what? I don't have a relationship with Jesus, and I don't know that God's spirit's in my life, but I think I can do enough good things to make myself right. I just want to say that the scriptures here are telling us, apart from God, we cannot please God. And that's part of the struggle Sometimes we really struggle to try to do the right thing, but we're not empowered by our, our Heavenly Father. That's like me trying to do home projects at, without my dad there. I need his power, or it's going to be a mess. And then I love this. This verse is about you and I. You ready? You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. I love that. You are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. And that's like a really Star Trek, Star Wars-y way to say that you and I are not teamed up with sin. We are teamed up with God. We are not teamed up with sin. We are teamed up with God. It's not me and sin. I'm sorry. It's not me and sin versus God. No, it's me and God versus sin. 
And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, it says, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. This is the beautiful trade Jesus has made for us. If you're not a follower of Jesus, what incredible news that though you and I deserve condemnation, though we deserve to be pronounced guilty, though we deserve to be judged, instead we've been pronounced righteous. And it says this in verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. What does that mean? That means when, when you have a relationship with Jesus and you take your last breath, you will be with Jesus. I'm actually leaving here tonight as soon as the last song's done. I might actually have to leave before the last song's done. I just looked at the clock. I'm doing a funeral tonight at 8.30 for someone who is now with Jesus. They took their last breath, and because the same spirit is in them that raised Jesus from the dead, they are now with him too. And let me just pause for a minute and say, okay, so we've all got sin struggles in our lives, and we all feel overwhelmed sometimes by them. But if this spirit can raise someone back from the dead like Jesus and then can raise you and I and give us eternal life, is there really, truly a temptation in our life that's too hard for him? Is there a sin struggle that's too hard for him? You know, just looking around the room, I know many of your stories. There are people in this room that have been freed from addiction. People in this room that have found hope that were thinking about taking their lives. There are people in this room that have found joy in Jesus. There are people in this room that have overcome um, eating disabilities and eating disorders. There are all kinds of things that God's spirit, because it's that powerful, have helped us overcome. I was the depressed person, and God's spirit helped me overcome that. Is there anything too hard for him? Verse 12, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. See, a lot of us, we feel this obligation to live to the flesh. It's like, oh man, if I just, you know, if I could just hang on here, I'd be free. But I feel like the flesh, it's almost like I'm stuck to it. I, I can't get free of it. The sin is just all-encompassing. And Paul just told us something beautiful and powerful. Oh, you have an obligation, all right, but it is not to live according to the flesh. He says, this in verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, everybody say by the Spirit. Everybody say by the Spirit. One more time, by the Spirit. But by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So my man Cade's sitting over here. He's like, I don't know, maybe, well, I know now he's 17. But back in the day, he's, I'm like, I don't know, how old is my child? Now he's 17 now. But back when he was, I don't know, maybe like 10, he was he was in school. He had to memorize all of Romans 8. And we're going over the verses. And he's killing. He's doing awesome. We got from like verse, verse 1 to verse like 12. And he nailed every word. But then he got to verse 13. And I'm not picking on him here. He's brilliant. And he did it better than I could. But what he did was he left out that phrase that I had you say three times, by the Spirit. He said this. He said, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. But he didn't say, but if, you, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And I turned right into like pastor dad psycho mode. And I was like, okay, 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 okay. I was like, hold on, buddy. Because I saw a teachable moment. I had to pounce on it, right? I was like, hey, you left out the three most important words of that verse. By the Spirit. Because so many Christians, and I'm just preaching at poor little Kate when he was 10, right? I'm like, Kate, so many Christians leave those three words out of our lives, right? 
We try to put to death the misdeeds of the body. We try to put our sin to death without the spirit. Again, that's like me going and and trying to take my house apart and put it back together without my dad. I so need him, right? You and I so need the spirit of God. We've got to remember we're teamed up with the spirit of God who's in us. And then we're going to close on this verse. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. I love that this this whole series kind of comes full circle because we started talking out about the fact that we're God's special possession, his treasured treasure, his kids, right? And here we are wrapping up on verse 14 that those of us who are led by the spirit of God, we are the children of God. We are his possession. We are his kids. And because of that, we're gonna aim to honor Jesus. Listen, we're gonna fall short. I fall short. I still am not perfect got a long way to go for Jesus to keep working in my life. But I can say that by God's grace, I'm growing. I can look around this room and say, so many of you are growing. That's God's spirit in your life. That's you and I beginning to realize we're not teamed up with sin. Man, we're teamed up with God. Let's get the equation right. Let's make sure that it's us and God versus sin and not the other way around. And what I hope you're seeing tonight is that it's not me and sin versus God. It's God and me versus sin, and God always wins. How does he win? Well, he wins in in a couple ways, right? The sin you and I commit is no longer held against us. The sin you and I commit has been forgiven, and we're washed free of it. But also the sin that entices, he's wanting us to grow more and more free from those grips and those holds in our lives. But we've got to believe the truth. We've got to know we're teamed up with him. And so I hope that this way of thinking just kind of like changes how we approach our sin struggles. I hope that we start to realize more and more like, wow, okay, I got God in my life. And yeah, this temptation, this addiction, this struggle, this thing I've been wrestling with for 10 or 20 or 30 or five, however many years, man, it is big, it's difficult, it's like gravity pulling me back toward earth, but man, thank God for the law of aerodynamics in flight, or thank God for the law of the spirit who gives life that can help me overcome that that sin and death. And that's what Jesus wants to do for you and me. Remember where it leads, life and peace, away from death and towards life and peace. Every single one of us wants that. If you're a follower of Jesus, here's what I want you to do as we close, okay? I want you to get so specific with God tonight. And and as I pray in just a minute, I want you to say, God, it is me and you versus, and then you fill in that blank. God, it's me and you versus porn. It's me and you versus impurity. God, it's me and you versus anger. It's me and you versus gossip. It's me and you versus jealousy. It's me and you versus insecurity, fear, doubt, hate violence, revenge, right? You fill in that blank and you walk this week in that power. Will you get it right every time this week? Probably not. But will this week look different than last? I believe it will. And then the next week, even more so. And the next week, even more so, because now we know that the spirit of God is our teammate and we can walk in the victory he has for us. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray with me tonight. You heard about a God who came to rescue you and save you. He loves you. He, he, he does not let our sin get in the way of a relationship with him. He wants to forgive you, and he wants to give you life in him like we talked about tonight. And so I'd love for you to pray with me if you'd like to. But remember this week, it is not me and, and sin versus God. It's me and God versus sin, and God wins. Let's pray. God, we are going to come to you now with some requests that we know are so important, Lord.
we're going to come to you now saying that there are some areas of all of our lives where we need to be teamed up with you, Lord. We need to be in step with you. We need our minds set on you. And so would you help us, God? So let's just take a minute, everybody, right now, and let's get specific with the Lord. And let's say, God, it's me and you verse, and you go ahead and fill in your blank. Maybe you need to do it a few times. Maybe it's a few different struggles that are really, really strong right now. And it's time to bring those to the Lord and, and pray and ask him for grace and strength to stand out as God's peculiar person, his special possession. This world needs to see it. And you need to walk in the freedom and the life and the peace. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray with me. You can say something like this, Jesus, I'm so thankful that you died for me, that you make me righteous and holy, that I'm forgiven, that I'm loved. Thank you for your grace. Jesus, show me how real you are, how much you love me, and what you want to do in my life.